1: welcome welcome to fearless with jason whitlock i am jason whitlock your host uh happy friday to you and yours we made it through another week the weekend's here awesome uh fantastic show planned for you today uh tj moe Shamika, michelle delano squires will be here uh we will stay on the topic of the week uh the uvalde massacre 19 school children two teachers two adults killed The shooter also killed. Uh, Everybody has been uh, Monday morning quarterbacking uh, what happened in Uvalde, and we're gonna do a little bit of it here today. Uh, I'm I'm gonna try to steer the conversation away from demonizing the police, but others may disagree with me. TJ Moe may disagree with me, Uh, and that's perfectly fine but there's a debate about who's responsible for a level of cowardice that we saw in reaction to the shooter. And did that cowardice contribute to the death of some of these 19 children and two adults that were killed? Because when you think about this thing took an hour and some people, oh, well, the shooting was in the first 10 minutes. Well, how many of these people or kids, adults, could have been saved if it wasn't an hour for them to bleed out, if they had gotten help much sooner? And so I I, I do think there there tends to be a level of of consensus that this thing was mishandled uh, perhaps by police, but there's a debate about who's most responsible? The culture we've created or cops? Culture or cops? And we're starting to uh, get some clues and more evidence and more information so that we can make a more informed opinion, decision about where the blame uh, goes. But I I think most of you have seen by now The video footage, I think we played some yesterday, we'll play it again today, let's start playing. I'm just gonna talk over it of the chaos outside the school, the screams of mothers and parents, uh, allegations that uh, women, mothers, grandmothers were handcuffed, men were tasered by police as they protected the perimeter. And this is why the killer is still inside Uh, allegedly alive and parents are are begging the police to go inside and stop the killer and protect their kids and you know this video that, that really doesn't have any context paints a really bad picture of police and how this was handled. Again it's my contention that police law enforcement, first responders, American culture has moved in such a horribly negative direction and in such a demonizing direction towards law enforcement or any authority that we haven't placed police officers, first responders in the proper culture for them to do what comes natural, primarily to men, the protection of women and children. And so that what we saw, the screams, the the chaos, the the desperation, I, I think we all agree it's a horrible look. I contend it's a manifestation and a ramification of a cowardly culture that we have built and and an environment that we have built for law enforcement where everything about them gets second guessed. And they've become the bad guys and the bad guys have become the good guys. And we must bend over backwards to protect and create a safe space for every criminal that hops out of his car and wants to second guess why he got pulled over, uh, to every criminal that wants to resist arrest for 20 or 30 minutes, asks to be placed on his stomach, and then uh, suffocates out because he's ingested so much fentanyl and a police officer has put his knee on his back and shoulders and that combination causes him to suffocate out. And I'm sorry if, if I'm offending people with facts and truth about George Floyd. It's not my intent to denigrate the man. There's, there's nothing I can do to him, he's dead and past. All we can do is learn uh, from his life and there are things we should learn and there are things we should consider because the ramifications, the, the uh, reaction to what happened to George Floyd has contributed to this environment that we have now where police officers are scared to actually do their jobs. And sounds like people going off, oh you're making excuses for the cops. I'm dealing with the facts of where our society and culture have gone. So that's the background, you've, you've seen the video. There are people defending the police. Uh, You guys know Officer Brandon Tatum from Blexit uh, and from his popular YouTube channel. We got uh, Brandon Tatum, a former police officer, I believe, in Arizona, uh, now a popular YouTube influencer uh, who deals in a lot of these law enforcement issues. Uh, He posted a video yesterday uh, passionately defending the law enforcement in texas for the way they handled it
2: let's play a little taste of that you know i I always have to be the one that has a cool head that goes against the narrative every single person that came out and said them officers are cowards they cowards. They didn't do nothing. They just they just left. let these kid die for forty minutes. They just sat there. You, I know, use your common sense. And a lot of people who are not in law enforcement, they don't know what they're talking about. I told you, and I said it in a tweet. I was on a plane today, and I just did my three hour radio show, so I couldn't make a video yet. But people, conservatives out here quick to jump on the bandwagon, just like the left. You see a video, out of context, and, and, and you, just jump, you just jump on the police. It makes me sick to my stomach. People do not understand tactics. They don't understand tactics. When you see a video, cause I was on a SWAT team, and we trained with Bortak, so I was on the SWAT team. And when I see officers there with the parents, I understand because I know policing that these are officers that are on a perimeter. These are not officers that are actively engaged. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't be asking for SWAT, asking for board and you and you don't have an eye on the school. You don't have containment set up. You don't know where the shooters at. You got to stop watching stuff of course, the parents are going to be upset, even if the officers are doing what they're supposed to do. They're going to be upset that children are in there. They're willing to get shot in the middle of the hallway to save their children. That makes sense to them. But ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the truth is out there.
1: Yes, uh, the truth is out there. There is more information out there now. And earlier today, we heard from a Texas official at a press conference around 11 or or around noon, 1230 uh, Eastern Time, uh, Friday, that uh, he was not defending law enforcement. Uh, He did not trash law enforcement. He acknowledged that he had the benefit of hindsight, but he kind of put out a statement that trashes law enforcement. Let's play the clip. Of course it was
3: not the right decision, it was a wrong decision, period. There's no, no excuse for that. But again, I wasn't there, but I'm just telling you, from what we know, and we believe there should have been
1: a, an entry at that as soon as you can. Hey, when there's an active shooter, the, the rules change. It's no longer, okay, it's no longer a barricaded subject. You don't have time, you don't worry about matter Primers. And by the way, Texas embraces active shooter training,
3: active shooter certification, and that that, doc, that doctrine requires officers. We don't care what agency you're from. You don't have to have a leader on the scene. Every officer lines up, stacks up, goes and finds where those rounds are being fired at, and keeps shooting until the subject is dead, period. Mm.
1: So there's starting to be a consensus built that this was mishandled by police, and I know Many of us not in law enforcement, many people, I was on Jesse Waters' show, I watched Tucker Carlson last night. Many people uh, are second guessing uh, law enforcement and, and I certainly am. I don't think they acted courageously here, but I, I, just, I wanna temper that by asking all of us, what culture have we created? What platform have we created for men to stand on to act and and be men. You dirty up the culture, you dirty up the environment, you demoralize law enforcement. And you get the law enforcement. That reflects the culture. We have a cowardly culture, a culture controlled by fear. And people can sit around and and we, and, and again, I'm going to allow it. I think it's fair discussion. We can sit around and question these police officers, what they did or didn't do in a life or death situation. But we got to remember exactly who we are because we've sat around for two years, locked in our homes, masked up, kids masked up because of some a bad version of the flu. Many of us, not me, I don't have kids, but many of y'all with kids have allowed your kids to be stuck with an experimental vaccine out of fear. And so I just think before we go too far lighting up these police officers, We should be asking ourselves if the culture we've created hasn't created this type of law enforcement. We have completely disrespected this profession. We've done everything in our power to emasculate men and make them women. And that video that I showed you at the beginning of this, that's what an emasculated society sounds and looks like. Women screaming in terror, kids vulnerable. That's what you get when you allow Northern California and social media apps and the LGBTQIA movement to define your culture. And I'm not taking a dump on them. But that's not who built this country. That's not who protected this country. That's not the energy we need flowing pervasively throughout this country. Because this will not be the last time unless we change and pivot. And I don't care what kind of blue panel a crew they put together to study what happened in Uvalde, blah, 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 blah. Men will continue to fold in pressure situations if we don't correct this culture. If we don't allow men to be men, you're going to hear more screaming, more terrified children, more terrified mothers, fathers, grandparents. You're going to hear, hear more of that. We're going to have, and, and what you just saw in Uvalde and that tape of women screaming as their kids are potentially slaughtered, that's hell on earth. And there will be more of it as long as we continue to emasculate men. So I, I do think this thing was botched, but I blame the culture, not the cops. Uh, TJ Moe, we discussed this uh, yesterday privately. I wanted to have the conversation today publicly for the benefit of the show. Uh, You know, I'm going to ask you the most obvious question to start off. Did law enforcement uh, botch the response to this mass shooter?
3: Yes, and I want to disclaimer up front there is not a more pro cop person in America than me. So I will never paint the police as a whole in how I'm about to describe this particular group of men, if you can call them that, uh, and their behavior for this shooting. And so yes, it was botched. It was so very clearly botched from start to finish and those details painfully continue to come out. There was a he crashed his car twelve minutes before he entered into the school and he, the school wasn't the first of his shots. There was a funeral home across the street where he took shots at two of those people. They called nine one one 10 minutes before he entered into the back door of the school. He got to the school and shot at the school before he went in. And so all these details are starting to come out. There was no resource officer on campus. We don't know why. The, there was a teacher that actually propped open the back door that he went, went through. We don't know why. There's a lot of different details. But the fact that the dispatch and the people, uh, the cops nearby did not say, hey, shots fired literally across the street, lock that school down right now is a disgrace. So there's your initial botched response. And then as you let me let me let
1: me let me let let me give me a second to hop in here occasionally. I don't want to cut (laughs) you off, but I just want to ask for some clarity. TJ, I believe you grew up in a small town. You live in St. Louis now is is are we perhaps being a little too hard on a a town of 16000 people? and holding and thinking like the response is supposed to be like it would be in Dallas or St. Louis or Nashville or some major city. This is a small town. These tactical teams were coming in from long distances. The the response of the police force, perhaps, you know, they they don't deal with a whole, whole lot of violent crime. Should we cut them a little slack? Because yeah, I'm not calling it Mayberry, but it ain't St. Louis either.
3: Agreed. I didn't grow up in a small town. O'Fallon, Missouri has 50,000 oh. people that live there. So I can't speak on what it's like to only have a few cops. But, but I can just tell you this. The the head of the Department of Public Safety in Texas said every police station in Texas is trained for live shooters. So they have this training. When you have a shooter across the street from a school, it, the fact that the dispatch doesn't. In 10 minutes, it's not like he walked across the street in 30 seconds before somebody could pick up the phone. In 10 minutes, you did not get the call that said live shooter literally across the street from this school, locked down immediately. You didn't get that done. I mean, that's a serious failure on the dispatch and then the cops surrounding who should know the streets that they're patrolling, right? Particularly in a small town. That that would be um, a variable against them. You know every street in that town. Where you patrol. Hey, there's an elementary school across the street. Something bad could be happening here. Get those kids in the building and lock the doors immediately. We're on our way. So that should have been done. That, that's the initial botched part of it. This is the part of the later in the story now, as details continue to, tr- to trickle out. The agents from the Border Patrol and Immigration and Custom Enforcement, the the special agents that eventually came out and put a stop to this thing, it, they didn't get there at 1240, 1245, 1250 like we were initially told. They were there between 12 and 1210, and they were told to stand down by the police chief who was on site. So the Uvalde police chief said, no, he's barricaded. Stand down. We'll handle this our way. I don't know of of a bigger cowardice that you can have. You heard the head of the DPS come up and literally said, "Every officer, you don't need your head there. You don't need a chief. Every single officer lines up, stacks up, and keeps shooting until the subject is dead." And so, no offense to Officer Tatum, he knows way more than I do about how you should handle these particular things. But I'm telling you, when there are Children bleeding out in a classroom. Remember, when we first got the report of this, it said 14 dead, and then it was 19 soon after. How many of those five could have been saved between that hour where you said stand down? And so this is cowardice at its height. This is, there is a man telling other men that they can't step in and do something about that. Not only are you a coward, you're forcing others to be cowards. That to me is very problematic. I've got a buddy who uh, is a police officer. I called him yesterday. I'll stop here in a second. But he said, listen, I'm just telling you that my police chief could tell me to stand down. And if there are fourth graders bleeding out in a classroom, he's not getting my yes, sir. It's one of the few times where you go against everything and say there are kids dying in there. I'm going to do something about that.
1: I I think and I don't know your friend. He could be 100 percent authentic. I think that's very easy to say from 500, 200, 10 miles away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you weren't there. And so it's very easy to say, I'm not justifying the behavior. But, but again, I think we all kind of live in an old world where American culture, even popular culture, movies, they would show you the hero that would defy their stupid bosses and do the right thing and save everybody. We don't live in that America anymore. If you defy your bosses, you get eliminated. You get hung out to dry. You you don't get to be the hero on the other side of it. And so I, I just think that this current culture does not support effective law enforcement and I'm gonna say why that's important in this particular situation. It's a border town. Border Patrol officers are a part of this town. And look at how, it's not just, you know, it's all of law enforcement, not just police. Look at the disrespect we have for Border Patrol in this country. Particularly in Texas, anything that borders uh, the Mexican border, they're, they're, they're treated as the villains. The media will take out-of-context pictures of them that looks like, oh, they're, they're whipping and lashing illegal immigrants as they come across the, the border, and, 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 and people in the media, oh, God, this reminds me of slavery, even though they don't have any clue what slavery looked like. They weren't there. They don't know. They're just speculating. I get I look at our culture and, and I say we're getting the kind of law enforcement and policing that our culture is actually asking for.
3: Fair enough. I would still put a caveat for kids. Right. And, and I'll give you an example of just you're talking about men and even I'm, I'm 31. So I'm a part of this generation that has been emasculated to some degree. I think I had unbelievable parents that countered much of that. And the beginning of my generation, particularly in football, when my football coaches and such, those guys all reinforce masculinity to a high degree. But I'm just telling you, when I was in school, I remember sitting in history class, thinking to myself, okay, there, there's a live shooter. What do I do? How do I get these girls into the corner out of the way? How, what would I, okay, there's some scissors up on the desk. I can break that in two, I can give it to my buddy, we both got a weapon. And there's a little piece of glass that you can see through the, in the door. I can break that, take my shirt off and I can give that to five other guys. And now we've got seven knives and we can all stand at the door. So if there's a shooter, we got all the girls in the corner and we'll handle this. That's the kind of stuff I thought about when I was in 10th grade, right? How would we handle this sort of thing? And, And that, right, obviously never happened. Could I actually execute that when the time came? Great questions, but that's the sort of stuff that you should be dreaming about as a man, right? You have all these desires and ideas, and then that's who you should be, the person who stands up and does something when other people will not do. And we had a group of men who decided, they were having those same dreams. These these police officers, maybe they're 20-somethings. I bet a lot of those guys are 40. They're the generation before mine where they should have had those same dreams. What do I do? How can I step in and save these kids? What's the way to do it? And if there's ever a time where you get to defy authority, it's to save fourth graders, right? Who are bleeding out inside when your head guy says, step back, he's barricaded. Yeah, he's barricaded inside a room with 21 dead people and 17 more injured that you won't let us go save. So that is, I, I will not demonize all of the police, but I have no sympathy for these guys. Every last one of them should be fired. Well, I,
1: see, the whole fire and thing, they're just in this current culture we have, they'll just be replaced by bigger cowards. Real men are being run out of leadership positions all across America. And, and, and I'm not exaggerating that. Whoever that health minister that that Biden named that uh, thinks he's a woman uh you know, that's the vision of leadership right now. Everything's about diversity, inclusion, and equity. It's not about who's a real leader, who's an effective leader. It's not about your qualifications. And so clearly, uh, when you talk about firing everybody, I'm just, ca- uh, courage is contagious, cowardice is contagious. And, and we have a contagion, A pandemic that's exploded out of this uh, college campus labs that say hey if men were just more feminine the world would be a better place and masculinity is toxic and if we can just get rid of masculinity oh my god wait till you see this world that all this feminine energy builds and 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 that's why as upset as I think people justifiably are at the police, I'm more upset about the culture because if we don't change the culture, we're going to see more of these situations and create more men who do the wrong thing in times of, of
3: desperation and need. completely agree with everything you said the only thing is that they should still be fired because when the moment came they didn't come through we used to say this in football all the time like when those lights come on we'll find out who the real players are a lot of dudes think they can practice a lot of guys have good nice high school highlight tapes because they can run faster than everybody those lights come on we're going to find out who's a player and who's not the lights came on for these police officers there were no players on the field and so you I don't know if the next batch of guys are cowards, too, but I know this group is full of cowards. So they need to go and we'll replace them with somebody new. And secondarily, we now go to what you're talking about. The culture has absolutely cultivated a a society of emasculated cowards. We have been telling men for years that they might actually be women. Not that just masculinity is bad. They may be women altogether. And that there are no obligations that come along with your gender. What are gender roles anyway? That is a destructive lie. Part of masculinity, listen, masculinity is not a choice. It is an obligation for men if you intend to have a safe and prospering society. And so that includes doing scary and difficult things like running into a building with a live shooter. And so, listen, God gave men a greater capacity for physical strength than he did women. In in 1 Peter 3, 7, he calls women the weaker vessel. Men are more aggressive. They're more willing to take risks, more assertive. We have a higher stress tolerance, uh, higher confidence, uh, arrogance to some degree, more, more decisive. All of those things would lead someone to running into a building, putting their own safety behind them to save children. Those are masculine qualities. Go look at all the studies. There's a lot of great feminine qualities. They help us get along, they empathize, they raise great children. That's a different story and a different conversation for a different day. But what men provide is what we were missing at this shooting. And so demonizing, I actually tweeted this out uh, a couple months ago, it's pretty fitting now. A society that demonizes men and identifies all masculinity as toxic will soon be looking for men to save them from the inevitable collapse that follows that sort of behavior. And we didn't have any of those men. And so if you can't figure all this stuff out and, and we don't stop demonizing masculinity as a whole, we are so screwed because masculinity is what provides that freedom and prosperity. Again, femininity is great where it belongs, but this ain't the place for it.
1: I, I, I and thank you, T.J. I'm gonna let you go. Great job. Uh, you made a heck of a bunch of great points. I, w- I want to end on this note for, from my perspective. And, and and you know we've had two days of discussions about about this. And and one of the points I've been wanting to make is, and again, this is this whole feminization, men not playing their roles, and 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 from Dave Shannon to Royce White to T.J. Today, when we start talking about root causes, and and it's like when uh, Dave Shannon and Royce White in the previous days, earlier this week, made points about how this all connects to the abortion issue. And like, there's an original sin, and from that sin grows all these other sins. And so, What you just saw from these men in Texas, and again, I'm not trying to beat them up, I'm trying to say the culture's wrong and that's what happened, but we have this pro-choice culture that we believe in. And and like, oh, (laughs) pro-choice is good and anybody that's against it is bad. You just saw what pro-choice looked like. Those men, those police officers, in Texas, they looked at those kids, listened to women screaming, and said, you know, we got a choice here. We can either go in or we can stay out here and let them bleed out and let the killer do whatever he wanted. Those were all pro-choice men. And they made a choice to let those kids die and suffer. And so that's what the whole pro-choice thing looks like in real time, in real life. Those men did what's best for them. That's the choice they made. Screw the kids. Oh yeah, they're outside the womb, but they're no different than the kid inside the womb. They have a choice. And what TJ's arguing, and I'm arguing, uh, and other Royce is arguing, and Dave Shannon's arguing, is there is no choice when it comes to a child? You did it. You laid down, stuck your unprotected penis inside of a woman. Your woman spread your legs, let him stick his unprotected penis inside of you. That's when you made the choice. The choices are over. Once that baby is fertilized and inside the womb. But if you want to live in a pro-choice world, you just saw it in Uvalde, Texas. Men sat out there and they had a choice. (laughs) I'm not risking that, not for those kids. My my police chief says stand down. They stood down. That's what pro-choice America looks like. All right. Take care of some business. Summer's almost here and do you know what you need? I'm not talking about a new swimsuit. You need burgers and I don't just mean any burgers. I'm talking about American Wagyu burgers made from some of the best beef you've ever tasted in your life. Good Ranchers American Wagyu is raised right here in the United States and produces the rich buttery texture that people who know their steaks crave. These burgers are individually wrapped so you can easily pull them out and cook them on the grill or in the skillet, and you can use them for other meals as well. With meat prices soaring, I love that when you subscribe, you lock in your price and get $25 off every box for the life of your subscription. As long as you're subscribed, your price will not change. Two pounds of free Wagyu burgers and zero inflation? What are you waiting for? Go get both by using my code FEARLESS or by visiting GoodRanchers.com slash FEARLESS. If you don't buy the meat in your house, then tell the person who does to grab your two free pounds of American Wagyu burgers today before they're gone. Good ranchers, American meat delivered. All right, Shamika Michelle, next. Welcome back all right uh, let's roll out to north carolina haven't heard from her all week she's been gallivanting all over the country she's been out in california she's been in dallas uh, she's just gotten too big time uh for those of us here at fearless uh shamika uh welcome back to the show uh you look sunny and happy You've, your travels were good
4: Yes, I think they were. I I do think I'm tired, though. I'm a little exhausted from doing so much, so I'm going to take it easy this weekend. Thank you for having me back today.
1: Uh, You just heard TJ and I uh, talking about the Uvalde, uh, Texas massacre. And, you know, there's a conversation about who's to blame, cops or the culture, and, you know, how wrong were the cops for standing down? Uh, I just, just cause first time we've heard from you all week, I just want your take on Uvalde and, and just, you know, what are, what are your thoughts? What's your reaction to this this tragic event?
4: Uh, who's to blame to me is the government. I tend to lean more with Alex Jones. You know, I stay quiet when things like this happen because, you know, I would be considered an extreme conspiracy theorist. Uh, It's just so much that has happened to me that just doesn't look right. I am very suspicious of a lot of it. When I hear that the cops were ordered to stand down, that seems suspicious to me. I know they were told the same thing during the Parkland shooting when I hear that the school wasn't on lockdown, like I hear your theory of saying it's a small town. But I know even here, when something happens close to the vicinity of a school here, they go on lockdown immediately. Parents can't get in. If you're there, you can't leave. It, It is what it is. And so the fact that there was a teacher that propped open a door and they didn't go on lockdown, it just all seems suspicious to me. Now, I know, there's we don't have verification of this but i heard that his therapist was into hypnosis and um, is one of the leaders of the deep dream project so for me i go really deep into the conspiracy theories and and, and i just don't think we can trust the government i think any type of government that feels like they should be responsible for population control. They don't care about kids in the womb. I certainly don't think they care about kids even at that age. I just don't trust the government at all.
1: Mm. And so, the of all the things you said, the thing that caught my attention the most is, uh, this is a very poor kid And you're saying he had, there's reports he had a therapist?
4: They are saying that he had a therapist who did hypnosis, who was like one of the leaders of something called the Deep Dream Project, where they use hypnosis and computerized images in their therapy. therapy. I don't know if this is true, but this is what's circulating and... Um, for, for me, I just think when they start pushing things like, you know, gun control, we have to get rid of the guns. I think the government would do whatever it, it they feel like it takes to win power and control and, and take guns. They don't mind killing a few people. I just really believe that.
1: Uh, you did go full blown, Alex Jones. Uh, I'm not gonna call you crazy for doing it you, you know I, i'm on you you've given me some i'll hop in one of these rabbit holes this weekend and, and see what i can uh f- find out or maybe i'll just call you uh on, on a lighter note i want to lighten things up we've had a very serious week here uh Shemeika, did you see ricky williams uh has changed his name i get his Ricky, former Heisman Trophy winner, former NFL player with the Saints and the Dolphins, uh, great player uh, at the University of Texas. His real name is actually Eric. And so, but he's also changed his last name, I think, to Myron's, that's his wife's last name. Uh, And I think think we have the, yeah, we have the clip of, of Ricky Williams giving the explanation of why He's changed his last name to his wife's last name. Uh, we'll get your thoughts. Let's hear from Ricky first.
5: I did not know, Ricky, that you had legally changed your name. That was mm-hmm. uh, when? When did you do that? And what's the decision making behind that? I did it probably a year and a half ago. Made it official. Something I've been thinking about and talking about, and I finally you know, went through the steps and I went to the social security office with my marriage um, certificate and I went through the process and it was quick and easy and it was, it felt, it felt meaningful. It felt really meaningful. But why yeah. did you decide to sort of change the gender dynamics of how people get married with name changes? Because I, uh, I have not heard a lot of men changing their name to their woman, uh, to the, the wife's maiden name. In my relationship, my wife's in a, she's a, an attorney, so she, you know, she can handle herself but I'm the famous one. And so she's kind of been used to being like the the hot shot around her friends and she comes around me and then people kind of forget that she exists. Okay. So there's a kind of an an imbalance in the relationship and it shows up in our astrological charts. And so I started thinking, what are ways that things that I can do to help create more balance in the relationship? And one of the ideas that popped into my mind was I can take her last name. You know, and I think as far as something that I can do to create a level of security and like commitment and not just talking about things, but but proving that, you know, I'm here. And, you know, I, I've found that that's been really powerful in creating ease and and intimacy and trust in, in my relationship.
2: Mm.
1: He has overshadowed his wife, so he's taken her name uh, to provide intimacy uh, in the relationship, I got some. <laughs> when I've wanted it, I got to be careful. I got. So I just reminded myself I'm a Christian. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I don't. There's a beta pandemic going on that no one wants to address, and it to me it has apparently wiped out Ricky Williams' identity. He's taken on his wife's identity. Uh, your thoughts, Shamika?
4: Jason, just looking at the picture, he looks like a runaway slave, a big buck that has been broken that ran off with Miss Millie. Like, I can just hear her saying, oh. Come here, Ricky, you big black buck. Come give me some of that mandingo <laughs> loving. Oh my God, I just, that gorilla loving, I just loves it. You know, I, it. this sounds so beta. It sounds so bitch. And to say that you would do this to increase intimacy, I don't know about other women, but there is no way I would let a punk male put me in the book. You would not, I mean, I... This is crazy to me, Jason, and is wrong on so many levels. Even when he talks about astrology, first of all, your astrological chart is based on your birth date, the time of birth, and your location. Changing your name is not going to change any type of imbalance in your chart. What it's doing is you are appeasing this woman, you are bending to her will, and eventually she's not going to respect you. I think that women, we we tend to test men, not intentionally, but we do it to see how much of a provider you are, how much of a protector you're going to be, how much will you stay, Stand up to us and put your foot down. He's thinking that he's winning brownie points by bending over and being the female in the relationship. She's going to walk in one day into the room. He's going to be the only one in there. And she's going to be like, did you poop? Because when you stop liking someone, when you stop having respect for them, they just start to smell like poop to you. They don't like you don't like anything about them anymore. And that's what he is setting himself up for. That is why our wedding vows tell the man to love and cherish and adore the the woman. The woman is the vow is to respect and obey. Respect equals love to men. So he, there's not gonna be any respect and eventually she's not gonna even like him anymore. I, this is this is so sad to me, so sad.
1: Let me play the other side for a moment. J- just not, I just wanna play the other side and get your thoughts as a woman. Uh, this was particularly true for me in Kansas City, when I lived in Kansas City for 16 years. And, And, you know, I like to date attractive women. And attractive women and women in general love attention. And my persona in Kansas City was so outsized that I could see women trying to compete for the attention that I got if we're out to dinner, we're out at an event or anywhere, all the attention would focus in on me, all the conversation uh, was sur- surrounded my work, something I had written, something I had said on radio or TV or on ESPN or whatever, and, and I've seen women react poorly that women that are used to getting attention and like attention start doing things to get attention. They, they they be tired of sitting at a restaurant and a steady stream of people coming up to engage with me, perhaps not in any way acknowledging them. And so I, I kind of get a little bit of what Ricky Williams is talking about. Your thoughts on that?
4: I think it would be attractive to have a man that everybody is looking at the hat that everybody is interested in. I just don't believe, Jason, if you and I went out and I was in my best body dress and I'm looking good, that I would feel less than or I would feel like the. I mean, the men would all pause, period when I walked into the room. So they may want to engage you in conversation. They may feel like you're the one they wanna to talk to, but their eyes would be on me. So, you know, I think this is just her own insecurity. Again, he's trying to bend over backwards and appease her. It's silly to me. She knows who she married. She she knew that going in. So for him to feel like he has to play himself down it's just ridiculous. And and there's a scripture, Jason, that I always go to, Genesis 5 and 2. It says, and male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam. It doesn't say Eve hyphen Adam and it certainly doesn't say and he called their name Eve. So to me this is error and it's not going to turn out well. Eventually, he's going to be the pitiful-looking one that she is not even interested in anymore.
1: All right, uh, let's... I think we're going to... Yeah, I know we're going to do an approval rating on Ricky Williams. Let's transition to that. All right, I don't know what Ricky Williams' job is right now uh, and so I th- he's got some business. maybe was he in the weed selling business at, at some point or, or I couldn't figure out exactly what his job is I think he and his wife maybe have a little business together or whatever uh, so not knowing what his job I didn't want to be too hard on him I didn't want to be too I gave him a 15 in job performance you know I guess he's a public figure and he still gets attention he's on levitard show so I'll give him a 15
4: I gave him a zero because as a man, as the one that should be standing up as the protector, I couldn't give him any points for bending over like this and saying, hey, what type of lubricant do you have? Zero. He got zero for me (laughs) for job performance.
1: Authenticity. I'm, I'm actually high on his authenticity. Ricky Williams throughout his entire career, entire time in the spotlight, he has. I'm sorry. Character. I'm sorry. I, I, I jumped. In. I jumped ahead to authenticity. Uh, character. Uh, I, I'm down the middle of the road here as well. You know, weed. His addiction to weed cost him part of his uh, NFL career. Uh, so I'll give him a 13 in character.
4: I gave him a zero in character, Jason, because he doesn't have any integrity to me. Like I just see him as weak. I see him as wussy and therefore I couldn't, I couldn't give him any points on character. I don't care who he used to be. I'm judging him on who he presents himself as today. And is is weak.
1: Uh, authenticity. I got a little ahead of myself. He's always to me been very authentic, revealed very things about himself that aren't that flattering. Uh, he, he's been a very transparent person, including th- this latest example here today. Uh, I do think I find him authentic. I give him a twenty in authenticity.
4: You are so kind, Jason. I, I did give him some points on this one. One, I gave him one point for keeping his original birth name. Uh, the first name. That's why I gave him one point. His whole thing about, you know, not knowing where Williams came from and the man that married his grandmother wasn't his father's uh, real dad. Obviously, he did something because he kept food on the table or roof over your father's head so that he could grow up and produce you. But you are worried about whether or not it's you know it could be also a slave name where it looked like you married a slave master so i gave him a one for just going back to his <laughs> original first name
1: uh it factor his former heisman trophy winner uh again he's still got some relevancy i gave him a four in it factor
4: i gave him a zero Because, again, I'm going based on who he is today and not who he used to be. And I would warn everybody, do not smoke the marijuana that he's pushing. Because, obviously, as you smoke it, your balls shrivel.
1: (laughs) Well, let me see if I can do the math on your scores. Zero, zero, one, and zero. So, if I cross the i's and dot the t's carry the one you gave him a one that's the i think that's the lowest score we've had dumpster fire i've got ricky williams at 52 candle lit uh that's because i'm a little more uh compassionate i have more empathy than Shamika. Than Shamika, thank you so much uh we'll see you next week uh get your fearless yeah. army swag at shopblazemedia.com, uh, Duano, no Professor D,
4: It's my obligation to hate discrimination raising up your hands for freedom.
1: All right, welcome back. Uh, time to roll out to Washington, D.C and hear from the smartest man on the show, Delano Squires. Delano, uh, before we get to your column today, I, I I don't know if I've had a chance to talk to you. These conversations are all running together and the day's all running together. Well, I haven't talked to you since Tuesday, so I don't think I've had a chance to talk to you about Uvalde, and I know your, your column touches on that to some degree, but I, I just, your, your just general thoughts on the discussion that's being had about how law enforcement botched this, and, and maybe even a take on me and TJ's discussion about who's, who's really to blame here, law enforcement or the culture we've created that has undermined law enforcement. Uh, do you have a take on the Uvalde situation?
0: Sure. So I mean, obviously, it goes without saying that this is a, a tragedy, um, and as a father I couldn't imagine you know, dropping my kids off for school one day and then getting a call. That someone is in the school shooting, right? I could, like, I can't even, I don't even have the words to process what will go through my mind. Um, so I mean, it's, it's a, it's a tragedy. I, I hope that the the churches in Uvalde are working overtime to comfort, you know, the grieving parents. Um, obviously, there's a lot to say about the shooter. I'm assuming more things are going to come out um, as as we move forward. What what we see now, I see a kid who seems disaffected and lonely, no close relationships, um, with two parents who didn't seem particularly involved in his life for different reasons. Uh, a kid who obviously does not respect, you know, order or authority or structure because he shot his own grandmother in the face. Um, and then, you know, the incident itself, uh, Jason, is a lot of stuff coming out. And one of the things that i found is that with these types of incidents, I tend to want to let things settle down, so to speak, because there's, there's a ton of information coming out. And sometimes it, it sounds contradictory. Sometimes it's, contra- it's contradictory coming from the same person. Um, but the video of the police officers standing outside does not look good. Uh, I, I, when I first saw it, I actually thought about you, because I, I said, let me put on my journalist hat. Because I don't know the context of the video, I'm not sure when this video was shot in relation to, you know, the activities of the shooter. So I don't know if this was right after he got to the school. Um, It's possible he could have already been dead by the time this video was shot. I'm I'm not sure. So I, I just you know just been waiting to hear more things come out. But the things that have been coming out are not good, right? The notion that these officers. Did not go inside for some I don't know if it's tactical reason or just self um, you know, sort of you know covering their, their own selves. but um all, all of it is just terrible. and I, I hope we get more information. But if what we've seen so far is the actual truth, and the, and the officers really did not engage this shooter, you know, for, because they were afraid, um, That does not bode well for the country. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I I get your point. I'm largely, you know, sympathetic in terms of the, the point of how we've undermined men and demean courage and you know cast masculinity itself as toxic. I don't know if those things played a role here um, or not. I'm not I'm not sure. But even if they didn't, even if these guys, you know, were five day a week gym bros at the moment when it really mattered, you know, they didn't answer the call. And and I I hope and pray if I was ever in a situation where I had to answer a call whether I had a a gun on me or not that I would, you know, act in a way that was heroic and courageous. But I know it's 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 much easier said than done. But uh, ultimately if if they could have acted and they didn't, then they failed everybody in that community.
1: All right, so you use Uvalde as a jumping off point today for a column about gun rights and just and the, the thing that I found most fascinating and interesting is y- you talk about John Adams, our one mm-hmm. of our founding fathers, our second U.S. president, and you made the point about the point that he made at the time of the signing and the creation of the U.S. Constitution that the US Constitution is only designed for a moral, a moral and religious people. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, it's not designed for the secular. And so when, when I read this and read your piece, I, I just think about how secular America has become and is becoming, and, and it just all made sense to me, like John Adams knew this at the very beginning if If America abandons its Christian values, this constitution will not work and so I, you know I just read your piece and was like, "Wow, we got no shot here if we mm. keep going down this secular path yeah
0: exactly and and that's that's the point i was I was trying to raise and as i as I sat down to write it, um part of what came to me is are we moving towards a post-liberty America, where the government is going to grow much larger um, and despotic because we as a people show ourselves as incapable of governing ourselves. And one of the things I I said in the piece is, you know, this is the reason some families can't have any holiday dinners or family functions or cookouts or family reunions without the police being called. Because even within a family unit of people who are connected by blood and who, in theory, should love one another, they, they don't know how to govern themselves and manage their emotions and their, and their behaviors. So, so you need an external source um, to, to force that on them. So, uh, so, so for me, when I, when I look around the culture in all different types of ways, Jason, is the things that we're seeing are symptoms of a, of a larger disease. And it's not just Uvalde. It's not just buffalo. It's, it's the, the, the street crimes, right? Guys who, sometimes young people, teenagers, who are willing to turn the streets into the OK Corral, people in New York City who are pushing people on to, onto the subways. Um, it, it's it's the, the types of uh, you know, callous and wanton disregard for human life, um, I think that you see as it relates to crime. It's the, the deaths of despair you know, the, the drug use and abuse. Um, it's, it's the suicides, which are all, honestly are the leading cause of, of gun deaths in this country. Um, it's, and it's these things across ethnic lines, across urban, suburban, rural, that really point to a society that's, that's really, really sick. And one of the things that I say in the piece is, it's not that we've become a less religious people, its just we've changed the object of our spiritual fervor. So as politics have replaced actual true belief, and particularly Christianity, um I think we're seeing the result of that. And i I, I, I use a, a metaphor where I say, on the right, there are a group of people who followed the previous president, President Trump, as if he was some, as if he was a pope. and and his words were, infallible when he speaks ex-cathedral, right, As when he speaks from his office, when he speaks to politics. They treat him like he is the voice of God. And then on the left you have what I call political Protestants, right, who they are ready to take to the streets at a moment's notice to, to protest anything that they can you know, get their hands on. Racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, Islamophobia, uh, abortion. Right, Um, you know, gender ideology, and even I remember a couple years back, you know, Amber Rose, who was video model, Kanye West's girlfriend for a period of time, she was having slut walks to protest sexual modesty, because we're we're in a country where, um, you know, the sluttier you are, the more that some people think that you're empowered. So these are all symptoms of a of a larger issue, and I just wanted to bring that out in, in the column today.
1: Let, you know, you know, we're not argumentative on this show, but I I do, I have to, I disagree that there's equality in the way Trump supporters find his words infallible and the way the left is, you know, you call them political Protestants. I, I think most Trump supporters their affinity for Trump stems from that they believe he's the only guy with the courage to do what's necessary. That's their affinity to him. And I think Mm -hmm. that that affinity will be broken if Ron DeSantis continues to do what he's been doing and shows himself to be uh, just as courageous and willing to actually stand on his word, and and so I I, I think people will jump ship on on President Trump, uh, and and you know if he's offended by that, you know I th- I think many people will, will, could care less. They just want someone uh, willing to do what they what they say. And so I I read that point in your column, and and I <laughs> I, I I don't. I don't think that I don't see the equivalency, but I'm more than you know. Again, I call you the smartest man on the show for a reason. Perhaps you have uh, better insight than I do.
0: So, so uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up, right? Because what I'm what I was trying to say, uh, I wasn't even making a comment on Trump, right? So that piece was not a ref- that part of the column was not a referendum on Trump. What I'm saying is, we have, as a collective, have moved, have displaced true faith with politics. So it's just a matter of what flavor of idol you want, right? So whereas a person may have in you know previous years, you know, trusted in in God, in in Christ as their as their sort of lone salvation. Now that trust, whether they realize it or not, gets moved on to a man, an imperfect man. But when that man speaks, they think they, they think Oh wow, whatever he says is, is true. Whatever he says is going to happen. So uh, it's easier to spot the idolatry on the left because they, more generally speaking, stand for, through both their rhetoric and their policy, um, things that are more uh, directly anti God. So one is the denial of, of God as the, as the highest authority or supreme being in general. And then from there you just you work it down, right? So they deny that this, this world is created. Um, they deny that male and female are distinct categories. They deny the biblical definition of marriage. And they deny the sanctity of, of human life. And again, you can just work down on some of these first-order issues. But what I'm saying is, as a, as a nation, the, the, the passion and fervor with which we engage in politics, I think, does speak to a sense in, in which we've made um political battles uh, a, a, an idol in in many respects in all of our lives so so i that was the part that I, that i wanted to speak to it wasn't necessarily it wasn't even about trump um necessarily it was more so how people view him and and his words in general so
1: what should people do that again because where i zeroed in on is the john adams like Man, one of the founding fathers laid out that this only works if the people are moral and religious. It, it, it can't be, oh, you're just moral. It can't be, you're just religious. You gotta be moral and religious. And so there are people like me that like, as soon as I read this, I said, this is exactly what I believe, that, that this is where the divide in the country is is, is there's a group that have abandoned any faith in God, and some of them think they're actually Christians. But, mm. but again, their actions, <laughs> their actions say, no, your religious faith doesn't compel you to take any actions. It doesn't compel you to stand on any specific issue. You're just a Christian in routine and name only. A crino. In, in terms of... Comp- <laughs> yeah in terms of compelling you to do something, you're not really a Christian and so and so they want a world that is secular and and mm-hmm. and governed by secular principles and values and and so I, I hear that and and I say I jump to the conclusion of like well, these two things can't coexist we, we can't. Uh, a country that was designed for moral and religious people. And again, moral and religious doesn't mean remotely perfect, doesn't mean free Mm -hmm. of sin, but you just gotta believe in the concepts that, and and we've abandoned those concepts that, you know, our rights come from a higher power, uh, all lives matter, we're even debating Mm -hmm. that, Uh, Mm -hmm. and that, you know your particular your sexual identity and your skin color and all that trumps you just being a, a made in the image of God. Can can this country survive if if the secular side continues to win the culture
0: war? Boy, that's a that's a heavy question. Um, it doesn't look that way, and I, I'm not I don't tend to you know indulge in doomsday prophecies, but. The the speed in, in which we're declining, right? The the center is clearly not holding because we don't have a moral center, right? We we, one of the things Jason that that always strikes me reading, um, historical figures from 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, even, well yeah 1900 early 1900s. One, is, the language that they use which always makes me reach for the dictionary because they use you know, words that are much more sophisticated than what I have. But two, they always speak in sort of uh, transcendent terms. When they talk about a, a crea- even like what we have in the Constitution, a, a creator who endows us with inalienable rights, right, they, they, they speak to things that are not just stuck in one particular time period. Our leaders today speak in transactional terms, where they don't talk about morality publicly they just they believe that evil is present because some people don't have their material needs met so if we continue down that path then then it it, it really there's there's really very little chance that we're going to turn it around on a on a large scale level now one of the things that I think we need is the church to be the church the christian church needs to be what it was created to be. This actually goes back to our conversation last week when we were talking specifically about the black church, right, where whether it's the black church, mainline Protestants, it doesn't matter what the color of the congregants, but when your churches are morally compromised, when your churches don't even believe the Bible that they say that they preach from, your entire nation is gonna have trouble. So before before anybody says we need to you know, have a, a second reformation, or we need to have a religious crusade in, in America that that reaches the, the unsaved, like the, the church has to begin doing what, what she is supposed to do. Um, and, and I think from there, you that bright light gives people who are still in darkness but want a way out something to look for, right? So instead of them crashing their ships on the rocks, they say, I, I, I see a light. Um, and and I wanna I wanna go in that direction, but until we're able to do that, um, it's it's gonna be difficult. And I think again, Jason, the things that we're dealing with today that 20 years ago would have been unheard of. Nobody would have thought of mutilating a, per- a perfectly healthy 16 year old girl, and calling it health care, right? Even on the abortion stuff, we went from safe, legal, and rare in the Clinton administration to shout your abortion. And the Bible says that that hands that shed innocent blood are an abomination. And we revel and celebrate abomination and then turn around and question and shake our fist at God and say, well, why why is it we have the country that we have today? Well, we're, we're reaping, right, the seeds that we've been sowing over the last however many years. So I, I think, I, I, I do think our country needs a spiritual uh, uh, revolution. I don't think the answer is going to come Uh, exclusively through politics, but I do think there are political leaders who can pursue policies that push us in the right direction. So for instance, if, if there was a candidate that said, for every issue on my agenda, I'm going to go in the book of Proverbs, and whatever God says is wise, I'm going to do that. So if the book of Proverbs says that the response to a man who won't work is to let his hung his his stomach growl uh, long enough for him to say, you know what? Maybe I should get a job so I can make some money and feed myself. Then I'm not going to pay men who won't work to sit home and and be lazy. If if Proverbs says that you know adultery is the is the type of sin that'll destroy a, a household, then I'm not going to say that adultery is good if you know if it's two celebrities that I like. So whether through rhetoric, through policy, through Let me give programs. you a better one. Okay. I,
1: I want to give you a better one that I think hammers John Adams' point. And it, this mm-hmm. won't, this is going to diminish my popularity even more, but it Let's won't go. surprise anybody. The, the Bible, and again, it's in your column, you talk about family. And this is mm. like John Adams' point that, that he's making about, hey, man, this Constitution only works for the moral and the religious and so at the heart of religion is family and Mm -hmm. the family structure the nuclear family structure the 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 man woman child cycle that's at the heart of it and and we have moved away from that Mm -hmm. to where oh the bible where now same-sex marriage is part of the nuclear family we've codified it into law something that is in direct objection to the Bible. John Adams, one of the founders, told us this will not stand, this will not work. And so the attack on the family, the nuclear, the biblical family, it's not, there's no fit here in this country Mm -hmm. for that Mm -hmm. based off the words of John Adams.
0: I I mean, I I would agree with you, and and, um, I spent some time in the column talking about you know, the issue of fatherlessness, right, and how a lot of these shooters come from families e- either where they've, they've been um, abandoned by a father, right, or have parents who are disconnected, or even when their parents are present, right, it's possible to be physically present and just you know, emotionally disconnected from your children. So I think uh, a return to, to God's ordering of His first created institution before there was a civil government, before there were prophets or priests, God created a family. Um, so I think you know, a, a return to, to a biblical vision of family dynamics would serve this country well. And that's what I talked about the success sequence in the piece, and, and really that's you know, three easy steps, simple steps. Finish, finish high school, graduate high school, get a job, marry before having kids. When, people, when young people do those three steps in that order, their, their chances of being in poverty is, a, is about 3%, 3 to 5%. So um, not only does that give us a, a quick and easy way to talk about things that people actually can do, right, to introduce agency into the conversation, it also gives young people, and particularly young men, a way to be future-oriented. Because Jason, my, my sense is that a lot of the stuff that's going on is a result of young men who do not see any future for themselves. I, I know this in the urban context where young, young black boys will say, to reach 25 is an accomplishment in my neighborhood. And when you take a kid who thinks that he, he won't get 25, he, he has n- no uh, a problem sticking a gun in your face and stealing your car. Same thing with a kid who may be growing up, a white kid growing up in a middle class uh, uh, neighborhood if he has no sense of purpose, no identity, no work to do, no mission, no one who needs him, he doesn't feel needed, and, and he, there's no one that he needs, it's a lot easier for, for some of those forces on the internet to snatch him up. And a lot of our, our, our sons seem like they're ensnared. They're doped up all the time, right? Their, their understanding of women has been distorted by pornography, right? They, they don't have friends. They don't go outside. They're always on the video game controller. They can't tell a Phillips from a, a Phillips screwdriver from a wrench. They, they've never held a hammer. And these are the peop, the young people that we're looking to to, to lead our next generation. And it's, it's not there. And I, and I think there are a lot of things that we need, but uh, a recommitment to faith um, and a recommitment to family, I think are two of the steps that we need the most.
1: Delano, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. You too, uh, awesome job as always Alright uh, We should be here tomorrow And that means we'll see you next week
4: Waiting for the countdown Coming off the breakdown Standing in line for freedom Looking for a breakout Feeling like a standoff Nothing in line like freedom Came in like a fighter Striking like a ladder Making all this moves for freedom want freedom no negotiation my system no relation we all just want to have freedom sitting on the corner never been alone i am my back for freedom bless we are living get back we are receiving all deceiving we all want to be
3: free we want freedom